Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hello and thank you for joining us on week two of our series, When Pigs Fly. And if you were here last week, you heard an awesome message that Leon brought about about healing. And I'm carrying on that series this week. It's based on a framework by Craig Rochelle in Life Church, but I've added some of my own thoughts to this today as well. So we're talking about the definition of a miracle. And Leon mentioned it last week in one of his slides when he said it's an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. Listen, it's not me turning up at Merry Hill on Christmas Eve, praying and praying for a car parking spot, and I pull into next, and all of a sudden a car pulls out and I pull in, what a miracle. It's not that. What's happened there, Jane, is somebody's just happened to get in their car, reverse out of a space, and I've pulled in at the exact time. That is not the miracles that we're talking about, okay? For me, it's when God intervenes on the earth, intervenes in my life, intervenes in your life. And I honestly believe that we still have a miracle working God. And today we're going to talk about the least talked about miracle probably, and it's the miracle of deliverance. And it's when God does uh, miracles over the forces and the powers of darkness. And now before you look at me and you switch off online, you think this is going to get all weird in X-Files, let me tell you, it's not. But we are, we are going to talk about the devil and we are going to mention the word demon. And I know it might feel a little bit uncomfortable to talk about, but it's important that we talk about it. Because I want us to leave this today from here and I want you to feel encouraged online that we're going to put the devil and demons in their rightful place and that is right underneath the feet of God, okay? He has supreme authority over the spiritual world. Everything is under God's feet. So before we start looking at what deliverance is, it's really important that we understand the framework it works in. So where do we get our opinions from? This is a big place I think we get our opinions from. Hollywood. Hollywood is really responsible and has a lot to answer for, I think, when it comes to this topic. You know, movies portray them, don't they? Demons as creatures from the underworld in a mythical kind of fantasy kind of way. Often fueled by fear. We're often really nervous when we watch films like this. And that thought at the end of the film, you know, is it really conquered? Has it really gone away? You know, that bit at the really end when the guy just opens his eye again, you think, he's not really dead. And that just means Hollywood are going to do another two films after that one to keep us paying the money. But, you know, but Hollywood has a lot to answer for when it comes to where our knowledge comes from in the 21st century. And somebody said that the greatest trick the devil has ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't really exist. That there's just the natural world that we're living in. However, the Bible is really, really clear. And in Ephesians 6 verse 12, Paul says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground. We have a spiritual enemy, guys. There is a spiritual world. 
And C.S. Lewis, that great writer, you know, he didn't only do the books of Narnia. He wrote some really, really good stuff. And he wrote about um, a book called The Screwtape Letters. And in this, he, he sort of highlights the two errors that we can often make when we're understanding the demonic and the spiritual realm. And he wrote this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors with the same delight. Basically, what C.S. Lewis is trying to say there is that this huge pendulum that shifts from left to right all the time from over here dismissing them and disregarding them entirely, so under-emphasising what is going on, and then right over here drifting into this kind of like obsessive fascination with it. And we start to over-emphasise demonic influences. In other words, we see a demon in every teabag. You know, we blame them for everything. I've got no money. I've got no money. No, Jane, you've just spent it. You've just spent it. You know, not every problem is caused by a demon. And contrary to what Andy may tell you a couple of weeks ago when he had his chocolate cake here, a demon didn't make him eat that whole thing. It was him. Okay? That was his fault. Do you know, we need to gain a truthful and a biblical understanding. And this is that demons exist are real, have power, but unlike demons serve the devil who has limited power, we serve an all-powerful God. So your first question could be, well, Jane, you know, what is a demon? Where do they come from? Well, as you know, I've only got a limited amount of time with you today, so I'm going to condense this down really quickly for you, but we're going to start right at the beginning with the devil, or Lucifer, as you may have heard him called. And I haven't got time to go into it in depth, but if you want to do some further study, I'd recommend Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament and Revelation 12 in the New Testament is a good place to start. But to summarise, okay, so Lucifer was thought to be the worship leader in heaven. He was an angel, okay? But he found himself kind of wanting to be more like God, being competitive with him, wanting to be exactly like him. And he was causing quite the rebellion up in heaven. And God said, you know, there's no one like me. There is only me. And so God cast Lucifer out of heaven. And the Bible tells me around a third of the angels went with him. So most Bible scholars would say that demons are those fallen angels that were sent out of heaven with, with the devil and there's one devil, but many demons. So what an angel is to God, a demon is to the devil. And I can see, looking at me, and I know that's a lot to take in. I know, if you've never heard any of that before, I know that can be, I can send Hollywood in itself, can't it? But honestly, that, that is what we think has happened. But what's my biggest mistake? What's my biggest mistake? I can see the devil and God as being exactly equal. We can see him as some sort of polar opposite to God. But then I'm giving him authority he doesn't have. In fact, far more than he actually warrants. You see, the devil isn't the opposite of God. There are not two supreme beings, one good and one evil. This isn't Batman versus Superman in some Marvel film. There is only and will ever be only one God. 
But if there was a match, if there was a boxing match, let me tell you and let me show you how this would go. So round one, God versus the devil. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. The devil isn't. He cannot create a thing. He is not all-powerful. God is omniscient. He knows everything. The devil isn't. Do you know the devil can't read my mind? The devil only knows what's happened in my past and things that I may speak out today. He doesn't know everything. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Guess what? The devil isn't. It can only be in one place at any one time, which is why we have all of these demons. And Leon mentioned last week Smith Wigglesworth, and there's a really famous story where Smith Wigglesworth woke up at night and he said he saw the devil at the edge of his bed and he went, oh, it's only you, turned over and went back to sleep again. And that's how we need to treat him. I often wonder whether I'd do that, but hey, you never know. God is full of truth. The devil is full of lies. He's simply a liar. A good one, I'll grant him, a good one, but simply a liar. And it's his lies that convince people that he has far more power than he actually does. I think that's knockout to God. So what do demons do? So three main categories. The first one is this. Demons can tempt us to sin. So what does that look like? Well, they can tempt us away from what God would want me to do with my life. They can set up traps, if you like, but they lie. So they'll communicate with us in some way. They'll convince me by lying to me. They'll whisper to me. So what do they say? They'll say things like, go ahead, you deserve it. Watch it, touch it, smoke it, drink it, take it. Check that text while you're driving. You'll only not look at the road for a couple of seconds. Go on, no one needs to know. No one needs to know. Nobody will see you. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. You see, what they do is they minimise the sin, if I can call it that, on this side. It's nobody's business to tell you how to live your life. And then when you've done it, this incredible thing happens. When you've done it, They no longer minimise it. They maximise it. It suddenly goes from, go on, nobody will mind to. How could you have done that? How could you have done that, Jane? God will never love you. You know, God will never use you again. You've ruined your life. So what happens is, they tempt you to sin and then they leave me with the consequences. That's the first thing. The second thing is they do. They distract us from God's will. You know, Paul spoke in Timothy and he said that the Spirit clearly, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, some of you will know and I will know people who are once following Jesus, full on, really, really committed and passionate and now they aren't. And I hear things like this. I don't need church for my faith to work. I don't, need to, I don't need to meet with people. I can do God my way. I can do things my way. I can follow faith my way. I can make my own path. Listen, we need to be careful when we start hearing stuff like that. God set up church as a community for a reason. For a reason. Third thing is, demons can inflict suffering. 
And John tells us in chapter 10 that the devil's mission is to steal, kill and to destroy. He will try and inflict injury and pain where he can. Again, often through lies. God doesn't care about you. If he did, this wouldn't be happening in your life, would it? In fact, nobody cares about you. In fact, do you know what? No one actually cares what you do at all. You see, demons may influence depression. They may influence suicidal thoughts. They may influence feelings of desperation. They want to destroy my marriage. They want to ruin my testimony. They want to wreck my finances. They want to steal my joy. They want to steal my health. The devil wants to hurt what matters to the heart of God. And let me tell you today, nothing matters more to the heart of God than you. Nothing matters more to the heart of God than you watching online right now. But what do we know Jesus came to do? He came to bring life and life that's abundant. He came to set the captives free. He came to give his life as a ransom for everyone. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for me and he came for you. So do we need to be afraid today? Do we need to be afraid today? Well, let's look at how Jesus dealt with this issue. And we look at at, um, a story, Mark chapter 5. And this experience comes right off the back of um, Jesus calming the storms. The disciples have been with him in the boat. Jesus has calmed the storm. And if you think about the disciples, they're already in recovery. They've already gone through this traumatic experience. You know, as near to death experience as they thought they were going to get. They've just watched Jesus with a word, silence, a killer storm. And if that was me, I just want to pull my boat up on the beach, have a good lie down. Wouldn't you? Have a good lie down. But look what, look what greets them. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 2. And as soon as the boat hits the land, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Just as they got off the boat, this man just rushes at them. Just imagine what the disciples are thinking now. Here's a man from the tombs, a graveyard, but he used to live in the city. This man used to be a neighbour to someone, used to be part of a community, but it seemed nobody could help him. Verses three to five, as the story goes on, this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. He appears untamable. He appears unstoppable. And now he's charging right at you. Scary moment. But also a very sad moment. He was all alone. No one could visit him. No one probably even tried to visit He was miserable. So this man was chained. But now we're going to have a conversation. Now we're going to have a conversation. Verses 6 to 8 say this. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Did you notice something there? That the demon knew who Jesus was. 
Not only that, the man fell right on his knees before Jesus. And the word used in this passage here is when someone recognises a higher authority and shows submission to it. And then the demon accurately describes who Jesus is. They knew instantly. How? How do they know? Remember what I said about how demons came to be? They already knew who Jesus was because they used to worship him an eternity ago. They knew he was their creator. He's the one they rebelled against and lost their place in heaven for. They knew who they were bowing down before they recognised his authority. So we had chains, but now we have change. What had society done for this man? That bound him, that avoided him, that denied responsibility for him, at best treated the symptoms. But now he's Jesus. And let's see what Jesus does for this man. And Jesus does something so beautiful that I can only aspire to do and I strive to do and I fail all the time. Jesus is always able to separate the person from the problem. He separates the person from the problem. And I have a hard time doing that. I have a hard time doing that. So let's see what Jesus did. Verses 9 to 13. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name's Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. He was the man's deliverance for everyone to see. And I know some of you are really concerned about the pigs right now. And I get it. And there are loads of theories why that happened, okay? But can I please ask you, just for this moment we've got together, not to let the pigs distract you from what Jesus is trying to show us through this encounter, because this is really important. There is no other encounter recorded for us in the Bible which shows this level of deliverance. And there are numerous times when Jesus met with somebody individually and there was a deliverance encounter that happened, but nothing on this scale. Why? I believe this is showing us how powerful and limitless Jesus' authority is and what his word can do. Now, legion was a term that described, I think, probably over um, 6,000 foot soldiers in the Roman army. Now, I don't know whether that guy had 6,000 demons inside of him or whether that was just a term that meant there was a lot. But what I do know and what I stand on firmly today in talking to you about this topic is this. There is no influence, however great, that is greater than the name of Jesus. None. Nothing more powerful than his authority. Let me tell you with all certainty, no chain that can't be broken, no life that can't find freedom, no person that can't be rescued. Jesus has complete authority over the spiritual world. And we should be shouting amen right now because there is my hope and there is yours. And there is yours. Whatever your thoughts may be about this encounter, and there may be many this morning, let me tell you one big thought. And if you remember nothing else, remember this. 
If you follow Jesus today, if you would call yourself a Christian, you have the same miraculous authority over these influences in the name of Jesus. I am not fighting. You are not fighting with our power. We are fighting with Christ's. And as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and inside of me. Our challenge can be how to access their authority. And you could say, well, Jane, that all makes sense to me, but how do I tap into that power? And here it is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every sickness and disease. Jesus gave them authority to use his power. I don't get it, Jane. I just don't get it. Okay, so imagine I'm a police officer. I know we've got some in the room. Imagine I'm a police officer and I'm following your car and all of a sudden I turn my blue Nina, Nina lights on and I wave you down. Now, I don't have any physical power at all to make your car stop, do I? If I jumped out in front of your car, you could run me over. You could put your accelerator down. You could accelerate away. But because you're, you're a good citizen, you start to pull over. What do I have? Now, Jesus said, I give you authority. What I do not have is my own power. But what I have is a little badge that says I have authority. I can say pull over. I can say stop. I can ask you to get out of your car. I can ask you some questions. I can even take you to the station. I have authority. And if you don't obey my authority, let me tell you, there's always a higher one. You see, I don't have the power to defeat darkness. I have the authority to declare the name that is above every name. The name that has all the power over that darkness. The name of Jesus. If you follow Jesus today, you have that authority over all darkness in the name of Jesus. We serve a miracle-working God who has given us authority over that darkness. But how does this work in reality, Jane? Like, I'm just going through my day. How do I know? How do I know? Don't assume. Don't assume that every problem is a result of demonic influence because it isn't. Sometimes I just did something wrong and I li we live in a painful world and I have consequences for stuff that I do. But let me encourage you today not to assume that any problem isn't. Don't assume every problem is and don't assume every problem isn't. And Jesus didn't go demon hunting and neither should I. I don't have to look for these things. Every time we have a problem, we have a battle, we have a temptation, we have a test, we have a mountain. We need to do what is natural and what is wise. But we also need to pray for the supernatural intervention of a miracle working God. I do what I can naturally do, you do what you can naturally do and we call on a power that goes beyond what we have and we need to use this in every area of our lives. So. Today, if you're battling anxiety, go see your doctor and pray for Jesus to bring freedom. If you're emotionally suffering today, okay, for whatever the reason, I would recommend you go and see a great counsellor and pray in the authority you have 
from anything that will be keeping you captive. If you are battling some kind of addiction today, maybe alcohol, listen, AA every day of the week, every day of the week, but and pray for that supernatural deliverance. And the beauty of a church community is you don't have to walk that road alone. There are people here who will help you. We're a community. We're a family. You know, God often prompts people to ring or to text or to turn up. If I had somebody just turn up at your door or a random text and you just think, man, I really needed to read that right now. Or a call. Just support at a, at a particular time that we needed it. Just let's have our ears open. You know we're going to celebrate Easter really soon. And when Jesus rose from the dead, what was one of the things that happened? He defeated darkness. Now what is darkness? Darkness is not the absence of light. Oh sorry, darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. You can keep adding light and continue to create brightness, but you can only have so much darkness, can't you? Once it's dark, it's dark. If you think about it, you cannot add darkness. You can only remove light. And Jesus said this, didn't he? I am the light of the world, the ultimate brightness. Where light exists, darkness can't. And if you follow Jesus, that light lives within you. And John says that the light shines in the darkness and darkness can never that's not sometimes, never overcome it. Anytime you walk into a room, light is walking in with you. And light always, always defeats the darkness. You have that authority. I have that authority. But we have to take it. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. So we need to do what we can do and use our authority for Jesus to do what only he can do. So what's our role? What do I need to do? Well, Leon spoke about healing last week and there is a link between healing and deliverance in some occasions. And I just want to give you a quick illustration about how this works. So, this is my garden fence. It isn't my garden fence. Somebody's brought it in. I've nicked a bit of our, out of our garden. So, so this, is, this is my fence that, that separates me from my neighbour, okay? Now, me and my neighbour have got dogs. We each have a dog. And my dog's called Ignorant, and his dog's called Trouble, okay? And what happens is, Trouble keeps harassing my dog, and I can't work out what's going on because ignorant will come into me and he'll be, you know, a bit cowed and, you know, be a bit scratched and maybe sometimes bleeding because ignorant is a habit of digging holes by the side of my fence. And we all know what digging a hole under a fence does. It allows trouble to get into my garden and attack ignorant, okay? So um, an ignorant can't enjoy his dog's life because trouble keeps 
at him and keeps, you know, annoying him and, and getting at him and chasing him and upsetting him. So, so one day I decide as the owner, I, as the owner I'm going to go and block these holes up, okay? So I'm going to go and find out what, tr what Ignorant has done and I'm going to fill these holes in. And there's some gaps in the fence as well where trouble keeps getting in. So I'm banging some wood across there and I've repaired my fence. That's your garden, trouble. You stay there. This is our garden, Ignorant. We're going to stay here. Okay, what have I done? I've stopped trouble getting into my garden and ignorant doesn't have to worry about any harm from trouble ever again unless, unless my dog goes and digs another hole which allows trouble right back in again. But if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't do that, ignorant is now delivered from trouble's attacks. He's absolutely unhindered to enjoy the area that he's in, to enjoy his dog's life and run around without fear. He's totally delivered. However, ignorant may still have a problem. And that is, he still has the wounds or the scars that trouble has inflicted on him before I mended my fence, before I filled in my holes. And he needs healing from those wounds. He needs healing from those wounds. He may need a vet, or he may need to eat healthy food, or get some better exercise, or just have some love and comfort and lot of, you know, good stroking from his owner. My dog still needs some support. You see, deliverance can be instant, but healing can sometimes be a process. And so as we come to the end today, if you're a Christian, and you follow Jesus, and you think about this analogy, where are the holes you may have dug yourself, or where's your fence broken? Where is trouble getting into your garden? What do you need to do with the help of God today to mend or fill in? And why keep letting trouble into your garden when God's here to mend your fence? And you may need a process of healing. But I honestly believe that you can experience that point of deliverance right now. I really believe that. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. In the room and online right now. Just think, just allow God to speak to you if you know him this morning. Are there holes in your fence? Is trouble getting into your garden? Are there some patches we need to put in? Have we redug some holes and we know we've done that? Listen, God is here to help us mend that fence. And so I'd love to pray for you. If, you're, if you know your fence is broken somewhere and online right now, or if you're watching from our locations, you can indicate too. And just ask everybody if they just bow their heads. And if that is you this today, I'd love to pray for you. If you put up your hand, I would love to pray for you today. If you know your fence is broken somewhere and you would love God to actually meet you at a point of need today. Are the holes that you need, that you know need filling in? I would love to pray for you. Be brave.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. I'm going to pray and we're going to pray together, okay? Father, we ask today that you would do miracles. We recognise that we're in a battle. But Lord, I would ask where there is hurt, where there is pain, where there are challenges, help us use our faith to use the authority that Jesus, you have already given us. We need your power today to help us overcome. Help us have the wisdom to do what we have to do. But God, we would have the faith to ask you today for what we cannot do. And where there may be spiritual lies today, would you replace them? God, would you replace them with your truth? We thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we have that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Help us to step into that gift today. God, I pray. Not ours, but your power, Jesus. And I want you to begin to see that fence. You know, just just look at it as a picture in your mind and just see that hole being filled in or that that breakage being repaneled over. And, and God, may we fight not just naturally, but spiritually too. Our weapons are not of this world. But you have overcome the darkness, Jesus. We need not fear. If there is fear in this place today, Father, I dispel that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you bring peace? Bring peace. Father, we receive our deliverance today and now I'd ask you to help with our healing. In Jesus' name. You know, we have people, we have a prayer space here today and people would love to pray for you. If you need God to seal something or you want somebody just to agree with what you've just can you know just opened up with God today then I'd encourage you to get some prayer before you leave today. And also the elders are there to pray for people if you need healing in any shape physical emotional we would love to pray for you. We believe in a miracle working God, don't we? Because you know what? If you're a Christian today, you've already experienced deliverance. We've already experienced a miracle. That miracle of actually becoming, getting into relationship with Him. And you might be watching online today. You may even be in the room. And you're not sure where you stand with God. And you've heard what I've said today. You've heard, you know... Um, how the spiritual world works and that God has ultimate authority and where the devil stands. And, and I'm going to say to you, there'll be a battle going on right now for you. And you might feel really drawn to God right now. You might be having those thoughts about wanting to actually get to know Jesus better and, and to actually you know, have a relationship with him. But there's that little voice in your head that's, that says, don't be stupid, you're just being emotional. You know, this, you're, just, you're just feeling the, the nice chords that are being played and you're just feeling drawn into something. And, you know, why would you do that? Your life's just fine. There's nothing wrong with your life. Listen, there's a war going on right now. The devil is a liar and Jesus is the truth. The truth is not an idea. The truth is a person. And that person is Jesus. And he said you can have peace today with God right now. Jesus died in your place so that we can be forgiven and that we can have this incredible relationship with him. That means that actually, do you know what? We can be confident that our fence can be repaired and our holes can be filled in 
that we can have that deliverance, that we can experience healing, that we can interact with a miracle working God because you can know him and you can know him right now and you can call on his name right now just as I've talked about today. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. If you're in the room, in our locations online right now, if you want to know Jesus for the first time, I'm going to pray. And if that's you, just join with me in this prayer. Father, I trust you with my life. Forgive me for those things that I know that I've done wrong. Would you make me new today? Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you fill me with your spirit so I can walk in that victory that we've talked about today? Father, I want to know that sense and live by your power. I give my life to you today, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for meeting me right where I am. And I know my life will never be the same again. Just come into my life, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to tell somebody that you've prayed that prayer. It's really good to tell someone that you've become a Christian. So tell somebody. And if you need prayer today, that prayer space is available for you. I encourage you to do that. Please, please, we do not need to leave this building or to, to stop watching this online with our heads down. We can lift our heads up today and we can leave this place faith filled because the power of Jesus breaks every chain. Amen.